Let us consider our thoughts this afternoon on the cross of the Lord Jesus Christ. We'd like us to think about those few words, take and eat. Take and eat. As we compare Jesus, the Christ, with the Antichrist, these are words of destruction from the Antichrist when he said to Eve, take and eat. But these are words of edification from Jesus Christ, take and eat. It's interesting how Jesus is compared with Adam. He's the man from above. We sing together, hark the herald angels sing. Charles Wesley writes, Second Adam from above, reinstate us in thy love. The first man, Adam, 1 Corinthians 15.45, was a living soul. The last Adam became a quickening spirit. As in Adam, the first Adam, all die, so in Christ shall all be made alive. By the disobedience of one man, many were made sinners. So by the obedience of one man shall many be made or constituted righteous. Same words, but such different meanings. The devil's table is poisonous. It's forbidden food. And yet Paul had to exhort the Corinthians, how could you eat at the devil's table and then the Lord's table? The devil's table is take and eat that which is forbidden. Symbols even of wickedness that are often portrayed on the internet. It's interesting how contradictory the words are of the social media. Social media has become unsocial media. So many to become unsociable because of social media and how the devil will get his message across. Still today, the devil tells us to partake of sin, but Jesus tells us to resist it. The devil tells us to refrain from righteousness and Jesus tells us to do righteousness. The devil's table is poisonous, but Jesus' table, the Lord's table, is momentous. I'd like us to think about the parallel of what we see in the, in the Garden of Eden and what we see in the Garden of Gethsemane and beyond. Three simple thoughts. Jesus was tempted in a garden just like Adam was. <clears throat> Secondly, that Jesus stood firm when his loved ones sinned. Adam fell with and when his loved ones sinned. In the aftermath, Adam was cast out of the garden. He could not expand the garden throughout the world. The world was now cursed. But think of this, that Jesus expands his garden. Jesus builds and expands his work worldwide while Adam and Eve were cast out of the garden and failed to expand it. 
Just some simple thoughts. What a beautiful garden God had placed in Eden. It wasn't all of Eden. It was only a part of Eden. Adam and Eve were to expand the garden throughout Eden and throughout the world. Be fruitful and multiply and fill the earth and subdue it. The Garden of Eden was a delightful place. They had perfect atmosphere, attendant angels, God's presence, God's words, mutual care, a covenant to remember. Possible invasion, but they had everything in their favor. Jesus, when He came, was placed in the wilderness. It wasn't a garden. There was a devil there that tempted Him 40 days. There were wild beasts. He was alone. He didn't have help as Adam and Eve did. He had a covenant to keep that He remembered. His space was invaded. Still the devil invades our hearts and our homes and our churches. There could be a devil in this room. And I'm not talking about a devil in a human body. The Lord Jesus told a parable that the devil can steal the seed when it's planted in the heart. And seed is sown in churches as well as outside of churches. But the meaning seems to be that he is there to distract would-be believers in the Lord Jesus Christ and believers from taking the message in. He can invade not just our homes and our hearts. He can invade our churches. And let us not let us disappoint Him today. Pray that our hearts will take in the seed of God's Word. That our hearts will be cultivated, warm, soft soil to receive God's Word. The devil can only invade with God's permission as we read from Job chapter 1. The devil came to Jesus, you remember, just like he came to Eve and take of the forbidden fruit. Distrust God. What did he tell Eve? Distrust God. He doesn't have your best interest in mind. Bypass the cross. Disagree with God. And wasn't he saying in a sense to Eve, bypass to having to earn your righteousness. You can become divine. You don't need to earn your righteousness. Disobey God. Take risks. Tempt Him. Force Him. To, to, to save you by living in the fast lane. You know, can we be like that as, even as believers? We, by the way we live, we force God, as it were, to send angels to rescue us out of our situations. But Jesus simply stuck to his guns to love and to obey God, to trust him. To not bypass the cross and bow down to the devil and let all the nations 
under Him, bow to Him. The Lord Jesus was tempted in His garden. He was tempted in the wilderness. In the garden of Gethsemane, was He not tempted? Again, Adam and Eve had a great delight in their garden. Jesus was endangered in His. And Jesus was tempted to bypass the cross. Do you have to go to the cross in order to accomplish your purpose? He was a human being. He wasn't responding to the devil's temptation when he said, Father, if it be possible, let this cup pass from me. He was expressing his humanity to recoil from the realization that he's going to suffer the wrath of God. And he's going to have our sins imputed to him. What kind of pressure, what kind of weight that must have been for him to think about all the sins of all of his people through all the ages loaded upon his back. What a Savior. Jesus was tempted. But secondly, he stood firm when his loved ones sinned. Unlike Adam. Adam's loved ones sinned. and Adam should have rejected Eve's overture. Adam chose Eve over the Lord. He chose his wife as an idol. He bowed down to Eve rather than bow down to the Lord. Moses almost lost his life for bowing down to his wife and giving in to her overture to not circumcise their youngest son. And there are believers that don't serve the Lord because their spouse is overtures of temptation. Don't be overzealous. Don't sacrifice our children to obey God. Sometimes we have to choose the Lord over our own children or our spouse because they won't serve the Lord. Will we be torn down because our loved ones are not serving the Lord? Jesus' disciples arose and fled when He was arrested in the Garden of Gethsemane. Eve fell and Adam was right with her. He should have prevented her from falling. He should have been there when the serpent came to Eve. But when she fell and she reached out with that second piece of fruit, Adam should have refused to touch, to hold, to eat that fruit. You say, what would have happened? Well, we understand what could have happened? God could have made another wife for, for Adam. But Jesus would not allow the departure of his friends to deter him from the cross, from doing the will of God. Will we allow our friends to deter us 
or loved ones, even our spouses. Jesus said, if you love your spouse, if you love your children, if you love anyone else above me, you're not worthy of me. But Zechariah said the shepherd, this shepherd, would be smitten and his sheep would be scattered. But the shepherd wouldn't scatter. Adam chose Eve over the living God. Jesus chose the living God as it were over his bride. But for his bride. For his bride. He would have seen his bride perish if he would have sinned. Jesus saw that it was bad for food. He rejected the devil's fruit all his life long from the beginning to the end. He earned eternal life by a perfect obedience. And yet here is the, here is the disconnect it seems. Yet Jesus died. If you eat this fruit, dying you will die. But isn't the reverse true? If you refuse to eat this fruit, living you will live. Jesus had no death knell in his body. If Jesus had not sinned, then he would not have any natural process of death within him. He could have lived on and on and on, just like Adam and Eve would have never died. They would be 6,000 years old right now. Can you imagine being 6,000 years old? One of these days we will be. 60 sounds old, but 6,000 will sound young in the future. Death had no claim on Jesus, but death must be defeated by the death of Jesus. And again, the nails and the spear and the thorns were horrible, but that wasn't even the fraction of the pain. The searing pain of Jesus was the wrath of Almighty God. It was God's wrath that was unbearable. Yes, the nails and the spears the spear and the thorns were horrible. But who knoweth the power of God's wrath? Jesus does. For now, we know that those that are in Hades are experiencing a portion of God's wrath. Oh, brother and sister, if a portal could open right now, there's no society. There's no laughter. There's no joking. There's weeping. There's weeping and gnashing of teeth. Jesus experienced the wrath of God at Calvary. It's not a coincidence that it was the middle saying of the seven that were given. Why hast thou forsaken me? left me to all the horizontal 
punishers. See, God had many executioners. Just like in the Old Testament, the priests slayed, the people slayed, the priests cut up the sacrifices. God has many executioners. But the greatest executioner was God Himself. That's what our sin deserved. And as Adam and Eve experienced, when they sinned, they were alienated from God. They were alienated from each other in that they covered their nakedness from each other, their husband and wife. What's the need? They've now become vulnerable and skeptical of each other and cynical that they're going to have their nakedness exploited. Of course, the alienation from God hide in the midst of the garden, but how futile to cover yourself with leaves and to hide from God. Like a little boy hiding under the desk of his preacher father and the father says, what are you doing? He says, I'm hiding from God. Oh, brother, you... And sister, you and I will never know the wrath of God only from a distance. The smoke of their torment arose forever and ever. Jesus stood firm when His loved ones had sinned. He would not be deterred from doing the will of God saving our souls. I'm sure Adam, as he realized what he had done, I believe he he was saved. It wasn't long that Adam knew his unsaved state. Isn't that special? You know, when little ones are taken to glory early and they don't know long the unsaved state, Adam didn't know what it was to be unsaved very long. I believe that it was perhaps even the first day, maybe the second day. God may have allowed Adam and Eve to sleep on their first night of being lost. Because it says that the Lord came in the cool of the day. People argue over whether that's the morning or the evening. It could be both. Both are cool at times, but I think it was the morning. I think the Lord let them sleep on their lostness. Make them feel the the pain of being estranged from God. But Adam had to have known as he grew and matured and as he increased in the knowledge of God what he had done to the human race. He had to have felt the guilt I allowed a loved one to estrange me from God and to estrange the whole human race. Now you and I, when we meet Adam, will say, you can't take it personally. We were in your loins. We were complicit, Adam. It wasn't you that fell. It was we that fell. We rebelled against God. We chose an idol over God. But it had to have hurt Adam 
like Paul would say. Remember, Paul several times will say, I persecuted the church. I was, a chief, I was the chief of sinners. Paul could not forget the cries of children when their parents were pried from them. Paul could not forget the cries of parents when they were arrested and tortured and put to trial and executed. Paul could not forget those scenes. Adam would never have forgotten the scene in the Garden of Eden. Jesus has no memories of forsaking us, of falling into sin. Jesus has good memories. He saw the travail of his soul and was satisfied. The aftermath is that the world became a wilderness for Adam and Eve. Thorns and thistles, and murderers and thieves, devils, and carnivores. But Jesus builds and expands His work worldwide. Worldwide. He has saints in every country. I believe he has a saint, at least one saint in every country, over 200 countries. Jesus reigns. Jesus has enlarged his church. It continues. We should pray, Thy kingdom come. He's continuing to save his elect. And not until the last elect emerges will Jesus come again. He's long-suffering to usward. He's fruitful and multiplying and replenishing the earth and subduing it. The church is His garden, brother and sister. Have you ever read the Song of Solomon? The church is likened in the New Testament to a body, to a building, to a bride. In the Old Testament... One of the illustrations of the church is a garden. And Jesus is the apple tree among the trees of the wood. Song of Solomon 4.12 A garden enclosed is my sister, my spouse. A spring shut up, a fountain sealed. And he speaks of this garden being an orchard of pomegranates and pleasant fruits and camphire, spikenard, Saffron, calamus, cinnamon, frankincense, myrrh, aloes, and chief spices. That's how he describes us. A fountain of gardens, chapter 4 and verse 15. A well of living water, streams from Lebanon. Chapter 4, verse 16. The, the prayer that you and I should pray. This is the prayer that Jesus prays. Arise, O north wind. And come, blow upon, come south wind and blow upon my garden that the spices might flow out. Send out my people into the world to preach the gospel. Holy Spirit, burden my people to spread their, their spices and their scents. Let my beloved come into his garden and eat his pleasant fruit. 
These are words in the Song of Solomon. And then chapter 5, verse 1, I am come into my garden. Christ in the midst of His churches. Revelation 1. I have gathered, I have eaten, I have drunk. Oh, friends, drink. Yea, drink abundantly. Oh, beloved. Chapter 6. My beloved has gone down into his garden to feed among the lilies. These are the words of Jesus. And what does He say to you and me? Take and eat. Remember what I have done for you. Feast upon the memory of my atonement. Feast upon my sacrificed body and my shed blood. Believe in me. Feast upon me. It's called the Lord's Supper. We're His garden. And He's come into His garden this afternoon. Is, is He smelling cinnamon? The chief spices? The herbs, the flowers, the pleasant fruits. Jesus is expanding his garden, unlike Adam. Second Adam from above, reinstate sinners in thy love. That's what we're remembering today. Jesus is the King of saints, Jesus is the Savior. He is building His church. He's expanding His garden. May we pray, O Holy Spirit, blow upon this garden. Pour out upon us. Cause us to spread abroad the fame of Jesus. Let us invite people to come into this garden and smell the fragrance of salvation through His blood. Amen. Lord Jesus, thank You for Your success. We failed. We sinned. You succeeded. You maintained Your righteousness. No one can convince You of sin. Oh Lord, tend to this garden. We know often we need pruning. We need, Lord, to have our plants lifted up from the ground so that the sun might shine as you said about the vine and the branches. He that does not bear fruit, I will will lift it up so that the sun will shine upon it. Lord, often our branches have fallen to the ground. They're shaded. We're not seeing the sun of righteousness. Oh, Lord, lift our hearts to Thee. May the Son of Righteousness arise with healing in His wings today. Lord, expand Your garden throughout all the world until the last saint is planted. Save sinners. Frustrate the devil. Thank You, Lord Jesus. Thank You for resisting the devil. Thank You, Lord Jesus. that You stood firm. Thank You, Lord Jesus, that You build Your church, that You save sinners, that You call office bearers, 
that You send Your angels to minister to us. That You subdue our enemies. That You imprison Your adversaries and You welcome Your departing saints. Lord, You are indeed poised to come again. Come again, Lord Jesus. Bless us at Your table. We will refuse the forbidden fruit, the poisonous fruit of the devil, but, O Lord, we would take and eat, that we would remember Your death with delight, with thanksgiving and praise. So as we take the bread and take the cup, we are saying, Lord, we we believe. We believe that You're the Son of God, the Savior of the world. Amen.